Today I want to read from Luke uh, chapter 14, uh, verses 25 and on. Actually, I'm going to start in 15. And anyway, I shared this at Carthage uh, before I left. And, and anyway, the Lord just kept uh, burning this on my heart. And, you know, we're going to be talking about the great banquet and some neat things at the beginning. But what the Lord hit on me to really talk to the church about is the servant in this story. And, and I want you to look at the servant in this story because it's you. And anybody that accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior uh, is cho- has chose to become a servant and, and a servant of God and people. And, and the Lord really put that on my heart that we see this servant in action in this story. And I, wanna, I want you guys to really be listening for that but also for the exciting things that's going on in this, in this true story. But the scripture starts out, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to the, him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And, and you notice we even blame the wives back in biblical days and why we can't go serve the Lord. But uh, anyway, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to this servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Now I'm chuckling here. Because I just did a Gary Dumb. When you uh, spend time with people, you pick up their characteristics. And, and I've noticed over the trip that when Gary's wanting to move on, he'll say, but anyway, and I, I just did it here in the sermon, and I thought you become who you hang out with. And we'll preach on that another day, but, but you become who you hang out with, okay? But anyway, back to the scripture here. And the servant said, sir... What do you command, or what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel, I want you to remember that word, people to come in that my house may be filled. Say that my house may be filled. Can you say that today? That my house may be filled. But anyway, verse 24, For I tell you, None of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Father, we thank you for the word today. And Father, uh, we heard the word, 
And Father, by faith, we ask that you help us put it into practice. Father, that we would hear what you're trying to say today, that we would check our lives and that we would put into practice what your word convicts us of today. Lord, I know there's a lot going on. There's a, I know myself, I could have went to over 20-some graduation parties. Uh, we could have do all these things. And Lord, our mind may be somewhere else right now. Lord, we, we lift our, our, those situations to you now, wherever our minds may be. It may be on our children. It may be on whatever. But Lord, we lift them to you, and we, we trust you with them, Father. And Lord, we ask that we can concentrate on your word today and what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God's prepared a great banquet. And that's something that we need to realize and remember. God has created a great banquet. And as I was thinking about that, you know, I think of a wedding banquet when I think of the the banquet, and that's what this is that Christ is preparing, a wedding banquet for us, those that choose him, the brides of Christ, and and, and he's going to have this great celebration. And it's for you and I, and it's going to be the best celebration that you can ever imagine. It's going to, it's prepared for you and in honor of you. And I think about that, all the weddings, man, I've done in the, the last few years. I've done a lot of weddings. And the, the, the world says that the average wedding costs $25,000 in the United States. They say, I, locally, I'd say we're around $10,000. But we see these great banquets that we put on in honor of weddings and, and bride and grooms coming together. And that's what Christ That's what God is doing right now. He's preparing a great banquet for you and I. He's preparing a place for you and I that no eye has seen, nor ear can hear, no nobody comprehend what this great party is. Uh, I think of all these great banquets that I've been to, and none will compare to what God has for us. You know, I went to the rich and famous one time, and and they spend millions. I think one was, the record was like 25 to, it was millions, millions and millions of dollars on these wedding banquets here on this earth. And God's wedding banquet's going to be even greater. But you know, it didn't stop there. The Lord was telling me how much he loved me. And, and as you can see, you are valuable. We are so valuable to God that, that he's excited. He's preparing this wedding banquet. But Jesus is also preparing a place for us. Some of your Bibles will say that, that Jesus is preparing a mansion for you. We are so valuable to God that in John 14, Jesus is talking about this place that he's preparing for you. This place that he's preparing for the children of God. And again, it's going to be beyond your comprehensions. Man, I, I've been in some nice homes. I tell you, any home in America is nice now after being overseas. But I've been in some great homes and nothing will compare to the place that Christ has prepared for us. We are valuable to the Lord. We are more valuable than we can comprehend. But but God also loves us beyond comprehension. And the next scripture I share all the time with you in Timothy, but, but God wishes that all of us would be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. God, We are so valuable that God wanted everybody to be saved. And we heard that in the story here today, that man, he sent that servant out, 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 out to gather in everybody. Anybody that would hear, Christ came because we all people were so valuable and he cared for them. 
Then we see the next thing, that when somebody does die to self, and when somebody does give their life to the Lord, that all heaven rejoices. And you can go to Luke chapter 15, the following chapter of what we're talking about today, and see three examples of how all heaven rejoices, the angels rejoice, God rejoices, that, that, that everyone's rejoicing whenever a Christian or a person believes in Christ. So when you hear it a lot of times, a pastor will say, you know, Dolly received Christ today, all heaven is rejoicing. That's where they're getting that from is Luke chapter 15. We are valuable to God, so valuable to God that, that he sent his son, so valuable that Jesus gave up heaven so that we could be with him. That's the moral of this story today. But, but no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him today. Do we get that? Because, you know, uh, the people in this story didn't get it. Because they began to make excuses. And that's the next thing I want to share with you today is that they heard all these wonderful things. We heard about how much God loves us, how that God's preparing a wedding banquet for us, how that God is looking forward to being with us for eternity, how that God's, uh, Jesus is preparing this house. We see how that God is totally invested in us and humankind, but we see these excuses were given. Please excuse me, for I have bought a field. You know, I call them the three Ps, uh, the property, the possession, and the popularity. In this case here, I have bought a field. Property was more valuable than what God had for, the, for this people. God's people daily are picking their property over the things of God. The second thing we see here is possessions. Please excuse me, I have bought five yoke of oxen. You know, we're all wanting to be uh, status quo we want to have the best machinery. We want to have the, the best of this, the best of that, to the point where we begin to, to desire the possessions more than we do the things of God. And then the last one is, please excuse me, I have married a wife. The, the popularity, we want to be popular with our wife. We want to be popular in this world. We want to be the, the best CEO. We want to be the, the best at what we went to school for. We want to be liked. And so popularity, we use an excuse a lot of times so that we don't serve the Lord. And we, we see these excuses today. You know, the one on this one here with the wife you know, that really bothered me because we can see that, that, that there are nothing more than excuses because the wife was invited too. The guy could have said, hey, honey, come to church with me. And so we see a lot of excuses of why people don't serve the Lord. But I don't want to browbeat you today. Uh, I think you're here today because your heart is after Jesus. Your heart is the, the heart of a servant. And that's what I want to spend time on today, but I wanted to build this because I believe there's five things that the servant goes through, and I wanted to just talk about these to kind of build into that. But the first thing that I believe that, that a servant goes through and that, that a servant needs to be, and that is a slave, that is being a servant. And we read in the scripture today, if then the Lord and teacher have washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. Jesus is saying here today that, you know, I washed the disciples' feet representing a servant. I washed your feet representing a servant. Now, when you choose me, I expect you to not only wash my feet, Jesus, but people's feet. In other words, you become like Christ. Well, also in this scripture here, if you look up and study, it was in that culture of Jesus' time, it was the slave's job to wash the feet. So Jesus not only took on the role of a servant, but Jesus took on the role of the slave and and said, okay, slave, you go in the other room, I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. And so Jesus is even taking it a step further that you need to become a slave. So you die to self, die to what you believe, and you begin to believe what God does. You begin to believe God's word over your opinions. That's what servants and slaves of Christ do. They value God more than they do themselves. The scripture we'll get into later, you die to yourself. Jesus requires that you follow his example. And being a servant and a slave to God and people. And in doing this, it's not always going to be glamorous. You know, we're going to get into that later on, but, but the picture behind the, the, the words you're seeing up here is a picture of the plane when I got off in Liberia. When I got off the plane in Liberia, this is what I got hit with. Right in the face, heat and humidity. It was miserable. I've been there before. It is, I've never been as hot as I was in Liberia this year. The, the, the average humidity was 90% all the time. And the, and, the, and the lowest the temperature got, I believe, was 85 at night. And you're in a house because you're protecting yourself from mosquitoes. And there's no electricity. So you're running on a generator. And, and, and a fan is keeping you cool. And, and guys, you don't realize how hot, it, I've never been that hot in my life. Now, my belt is taken up, but, but I got four inches on my britches now that I didn't have when I left. And, and it, it, was, it was sweat. You never got a break. You never got a break from the heat. When you go take a bath, you get a bucket of water, and you put the, the spigot in there, and it fills up, and you bathe out of a bucket of water. I was sweating while I was bathing. And a lot of people say, why did you even bathe? Because you're trying to get the sticky off. Uh So it's not always glamorous. But God called me to go over there. And so we are slaves to Christ, so we go over there. And I'm trying to share that today because we think the life of a Christian and the the life of a servant is always just going to be just glamorous. But it's not. Serving God is going to be difficult sometimes to press through in and be a part of. You know, I think about Paul. It wasn't glamorous when he got stoned. It wasn't glamorous when every disciple but one was crucified and martyred for Christ. But we do it because we are slaves and servants to Christ. It's no longer I but you, Lord. 
And, and that's what, if you're a believer here today, guys, it's not the preacher, <clears throat> it's the Christian. And, and overseas, you know, we're talking about these things. And, and, and I had a, this one group of boys that got upset with me. And, and they got to mouthing back and said, I don't believe in that. I don't think that's true. I don't want to do that. And I say, guys, you don't have to do it. It's a choice. God doesn't make any of us choose him. But when you do, he expects us to become slaves and servants. And boy, when I said that in the room, the room calmed. And the room calmed because many made excuses as why they wouldn't serve the Lord. Because they don't want to be a servant. They don't want to be a slave to people. They don't want to have to come under the authority of God's word and the things of God. But I'm here today is saying to you, all the stuff I'm saying, if you don't like it, you didn't have to choose to do it. Christ didn't make you do it. But when you choose him, you're choosing to die to him. <clears throat> I even go a step further. When we receive Christ, we give up our rights and become a servant and slave for him and his word and for people. But it's my right, pastor. Some Christians value their rights more than they do God's will. My right is to have property. My right is to have possessions. My right is to have popularity. Yes, you're right. It is your right. But will you feel it, follow God's word and follow God all over your popularity, your possessions, and the other one, property? You know, I got hit with this... Uh, I've been bombarded with this abortion bill that Missouri and Alabama and all these things. And Christians are hitting me with it. But, but Pastor, and I don't, the one they were talking about was Alabama. But Pastor, you know, what if they're raped? And, and, and what if this and what if that? And I just said, guys, we die to self and we do what's right. And I go, you can give that baby up to foster care. But we don't take a life. And, and, and it, it's my right, Pastor. But when we choose Christ, we give up that right to follow his word. Well, let's go a little bit different. You know, Pastor, I, I, I think it's all right to sleep with this person. You know, it's my right. I, I've earned that. It's my right. Well, but you give up that right because of your love for Jesus and people. Another person came to me this week and said, you know, I need to quit living with this person. It's not the right thing to do. And I didn't say it, and I wish I would have, but, but yeah, it is the right thing to do to, to not live with them. But do you realize what you did to them as a Christian when you moved in with them and started sleeping and living with them before marriage? You told them that's acceptable to God because you're a believer. We talked about marriage Friday night. Yes, it's our right to divorce. It is. It's our right. Jesus said that the, the, to the people that, yeah, that in Moses' time they bickered so much, I gave them an excuse to divorce, an excuse to divorce, a, a way out. 
But God hates divorce. And as believers, when we choose Christ, we have the right to maybe get that divorce, but God's will is that we wouldn't. And that's why I love Francis Chan Friday night. We had 40,000 at our marriage banquet. Do you guys know that? They're at our wedding or our marriage deal Friday night. It was on media. But 40,000 people were watching. But, but we heard all the from Les and Leslie, and they were great. Les and Leslie were, did a great job, but, but all these examples and all of these, uh, these things that we can do, these formulas. And, and I think that, that the Christian world and the world is looking for formulas more than they're looking to Christ. And, and there's nothing wrong with formulas, but when Francis Chan got up there, he just started preaching. And he just started preaching the word, and you're about thinking, what's going on here? This is about marriage. And about the time I was thinking that, he said, guys, if we were focused on God and being a slave and a servant, that, that we're not focused on ourselves. We're not focused on all these. We're focused on the mission. And when we're focused on the mission, our marriage is going to be fine. When we're focused on Jesus and not ourselves and not our flesh and zeroing in on him, we're not going to have time to have problems in our marriage we're going to be so on fire for him. And a lot of people can't comprehend that. But if you're a servant and slave to your wife, then how can you fight? If you're a servant and slave to your husband, when you give up your rights for them, then, then how can you fight? But when you give up your lives as a husband and wife and are focusing in on the mission then you don't have time to fight because you're focused on him. And they were talking about how beautiful their marriage was and they couldn't remember any fights that were just big. But that part was just so refreshing. But Friday, you know, I was thinking, I, I, I had a doctor, or I, should, I already talked too much, but an appointment. And, and they called me on Thursday and re, or texted me on Thursday and reminded me, they text me again on Thursday and wish me happy birthday, and we're looking forward to your exam. And then they made a phone call that I missed, and, and I thought, well, they're just reminding me again. So I get up the next morning, and I get another text at 7.30. We're looking forward to your appointment, just a reminder. And I'm driving to town for my appointment, and I couldn't remember if it was 9 or 9.30 after three reminders. So I called that number, and I just started, I said, hey, I saw you called me yesterday. Oh, yeah, we're telling you that the, the, the doctor's sick and won't be in here today. I had every right to be upset, did I not? And guys, to be honest with you, I went to the roof because I had a big, I have a lot to get done since I got back. Everything's piled up. And, and I was up at 5 o'clock yesterday or Friday and I had to sit there and twiddle my fingers, and I knew the rains were coming, and just trying to pitch and do a little bit here and there. And then when they told me that, I went through the roof. But I didn't say nothing. I mean, I'm fuming. And she goes, sir, would you like to reschedule this appointment? I'm like, reschedule it? I'm not even coming back. You know, that's where my heart was. It was my right. I did nothing wrong. And, and, and anyway, I kept my mouth shut. And the Lord spoke to me, yeah, it is your right to be angry, but will you be a slave or servant to Christ? What good's it going to do to you to get upset with them? What good's it going to do? Make everybody mad, make everybody uncomfortable. They already know it. 
That lady's probably just doing what she was told to do and knew all this anyway. What good's it going to do? So I gave up my right to be Christ-like. I gave up my right to follow God's word and love people even when I didn't feel like it. And that's what Christ is asking of servants today. And when we do, when we become that slave to God and to people, when we become that slave to our wives or, or whatever we're battling, we're going to see such a move of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're not going to be able to comprehend it. Point two, the servant has priorities. If anyone comes to me and does not uh, hate, long story short, that means love less. If you look that up in the Hebrew, if someone does not love less, his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And that's where I always get God's number one. God's got to be above all things. Jesus is above all things. I die to myself. Then the spouse, then the children, then the church. Then I believe the job after that. But, but, but that's my priorities and the way that I try to give, give the priorities out. Work and hobbies are way down. God is way up. So property, possessions, and popularity will not rule the life of the servant. They have laid their own life down. This is uh, maybe awkward, but I, I'm going to share it. But uh, <clears throat> when a tribal in Albania, or Liberia, when a young man becomes a, or moves from boy to man in the tribes, they will go in and cut skin from their back. And, and, and that's how they get all the scars and stuff that you see in the pictures. And I'm talking in Liberia, and this is straight from Pastor Dave. And, and he was in tribes as a kid, but, but, but he never, his dad never allowed him to go through this. But they will pull the skin, and, they'll, and that blood and skin they'll put in a bucket from all the boys that are growing into manhood. And, and they put them in that bucket, and then they make a stew, and all that goes into the stew, and the whole camp eats it. So if we were to do that here, the young men, we'd peel their skin back, we'd put it in the bucket, we would we'd cook the meal, and everyone in this room would eat of it, and it was a pledge, a covenant with the, that tribe that they were number one above all things. Isn't Satan a counterfeit? And, and David said he uses that in communion so much. That how Satan has used that for a counterfeit, when a tribal person will get saved, when they have communion, you're taking of the blood and the body of Christ. And when you take of the blood and the body of Christ, you're saying nobody's more valuable than that relationship. I will die for Christ. I will give everything up for Christ. My life means nothing and Christ means everything. And he said that's why when a tribal person gets saved, they're, they're, they're powerhouses because they get a hold of the concept, the relationship that we should have with Christ. And you say, that's a horrible example, Pastor. Well, it got your attention, didn't it? 
But are we willing to die for Christ? Are we willing to live for him above all things when we don't feel like it, when it's hot, and then you turn around and go to Albania and it's freezing and you have to cook, make a fire every night and you're going from one extreme to another, no electricity. It's easy to want to say, no, I, I don't want to do it, Lord. But we live to please God. Again, we're following Jesus' example. John 8, 29 says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, Paul says in Romans 8, 8. Now, <clears throat> if I could take my shirt off today, I could show you another thing really gross. But, but this tree here, that, that stickery thornbush tree, it's been a thorn in my side for two years. I cut it down probably two years ago. It has been dead for at least a year, no matter what. And I've got a cut from here all the way around here because I wasn't wearing my shirt. And that thing hooked me and ripped me and ripped my side here to where I was bleeding. And the point I'm trying to make today is that, that I keep sensing in my spirit that people say, but Christ forgave me and, and, and sin is under his feet. And I can do what I want to do and what pleases me. Well, you're right. Christ has forgiven you. Sin is under Christ's feet. But when you dabble in sin, it will tear you to pieces. When we're dabbling in the things that aren't godly, that don't please him, it will tear you up. Yes, Christ has taken care of it. Yes, Jesus has got authority over it. But when we pursue it, and step out into the sin and let it grab us, it will rip you to pieces. Because you're giving it authority in your life instead of Christ. But yes, to answer your question, you are forgiven. The blood covers you. But guys, we need to just believe God's word. And something else I learned over there that I was battling the kids and was teaching in the morning and the afternoon, an hour, and I kept getting the same question about, we're talking about purity, and I kept getting a question every day, well, what if, what if I have two wives, and, and can I have two wives? Or what if my wife is barren, can I marry another wife? Or what if my wife cheats on me, can I cheat on her? And I'm trying to figure out, this is endless. And I'd answer them, and, and, but the Word of God says this, and finally, one day, the kid goes, it's our culture. People are coming to Christ that have two wives, is what they are asking. What do we do? Does God want us to throw the wife in the, one in the trash and keep the other one? Does, does the first one go or the one he likes the best go? How does that work? That's what they were asking. How can God's word apply and, and it takes you back a step? Because I agree with them that, that if a man came in here today and he got saved and, and he's got two wives, that's not God's word. But do we just say to this wife, you go out here and, and rot in the street. Now keep in mind, Liberia don't have food like we do. They don't have welfare. They don't have people to take care of this wife. And it took me back. But I still had to stand on God's word and trust God's word and put my faith in God's word yeah, I understand where you're coming from, 
But God's word says to you, don't take a second wife. To you, and I kept hammering what the word said. And I went back to Dave and I talked to Dave and, and Dave was so awesome. He goes, Kent, he goes, that happens quite often if you all know the truth. He goes, people will come into church and they'll have two wives. The man gets saved. And, and then here we are. And I said, what do you do? And he goes, nothing. I just preach the word. And he said, every time God will work it out. He said, I preach the word and just speak the word. He goes, I, didn't, I don't go to them and tell them what to do. But he goes, nine times out of ten, one of the wives will say, God's touched me and I don't agree with this. I will step out of this relationship. And the church will take care of her and the man still takes care of his family. But I'll never forget his words. God's took, taken care of it every time. We just need to follow his word and, and put our faith in it. The servant's job is to compel. Compel the lost to Christ. In other words, aggressively. Compel means to force, pressure, press, push, browbeat, bully, intimidate, strong arm, oblige, require. That's what compel means. And Christ says you need to compel people to Christ. Now, I'm not telling you to go do a crusade. And murder people like they did years ago. Because God says love people and be a servant and slave to people. But, but you don't allow these, the, the, the property, the possession, and the popularity excuses to keep you from telling people about Christ. You bull down and you keep pressing in. If God puts somebody on your heart, you, you, you compel and win them to Christ. And I don't care if you got to take you 20 years to lead them to Christ. You, you press in, you push, you pressure, you browbeat, you bully, you intimidate, you, you get them into Christ. We don't give in to their excuses. So many times when we're sharing about Christ, oh, I, I, I'm a believer. Okay, that's good. See you later. See you in heaven. God put them on your heart for a reason. And you compel and you press in. I don't want to hear it no more. You know, I don't believe anyway. No, you compel, you press in. You work it. Man, if we didn't compel in Albania, we wouldn't be experiencing the things that we're experiencing today. You ought to see the rejection we got in Albania years ago. Man, and and the rejection we get now. But our job is to fill the house, point four, that my house may be filled. And this is where the Lord really hit me. God is preparing a banquet. God is preparing a house, and it's our job to fill it. And he said to the servant, you go to the streets, you go to the highways, you go to the byways. You notice how that servant kept coming back in and said, I've invited everyone that you told me to. And he came back and said, well, go to the street lanes in, in the city. And then he come back, then, well, go into the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And then he come back, well, go to the highways, the hedges, and compel people to come in. In other words, he kept saying, you go wherever you got to go. You guys be on alert, always looking to bring somebody to Christ. It's our job to fill the house. You notice the master didn't fill the house, the servant did. 
The master had the power and authority, but the servant filled the house. It's our job, responsibility to fill this house. Now, this is our great big service today for the 8 o'clock, huge service for the 8 o'clock. But our job is to fill the house. You know, the picture behind me, that's Golden City. And, and I'm hesitant to say it because I know some people are, are not 100% on board with this, but the conference has given this church to us. This church is ours now. And it went to board the other day, and, and, and we voted on to take it in and see what God wanted to do with it. And, and our job is to fill the house. And I keep hearing, you know, well, we don't have the resources. We don't have the people. We don't have this. If you want to think of the negative things, think on the negative things. But I say think on the Word of God, and the Word of God says fill the house. Have faith in God when God says to fill the house that he's going to be with you. Have faith in God when he says to compel your co-workers and to stay after him that he's going to bring him to Christ. Our job is to fill the house, to fill the banquet. And again, you're saying, well, he's talking about the spiritual house in heaven. If we're filling the spiritual house in heaven, our house here will be full. Our job's to press in. Our job's to get excited about the things of God. A servant isn't after his own ways, he's after God's ways. And Jesus wants us to fill the house. God wants us to fill the banquet. God's desire is that everybody would be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. God's desire is that, that you're valuable and that you realize it. God's desire was that Sean Mayberry comes in here and he says, I don't know what the saying was he said, but, but uh, each one reach one. That, that God's word's so valuable to you that, that you put it into work by faith because Sean shared a word from the Lord that you go out and talk to somebody, they will come in. You know, I pray every Sunday, almost every Sunday, Lord, I see this house filled. Lord, I see the, the Golden City filled. I, I see Carthage filled. You know, that's what burns on me. I, I feel a little pushback sometimes from different ones about what we're doing outside of the central church. And, and uh, Carthage there, I've been to Liberia, I've been to Albania, I, I, I wrote down a list of all the places I've been in Mexico and, and Bahamas, all these places, and, and God's used me there, and, and I've seen a need for God, and I've seen an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Guys, it's here too. Oakland, Carthage, man, if you want a mission field like Albania and Liberia, go work in Oakland, Carthage. But I say to you today, that mission field is in Golden City. It's in Jasper. It's Liberal, Lamar. Wherever you reside is a mission field. And all you speak, I, 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 this, you mark my words. If, if we don't get a hold of, and I'm talking mainly Lamar and Carthage, with the, the move of God, we're going to be run by gangs in 20 years. I see it on the streets. Kids are running. Parents are working. Kids are running in packs especially in Carthage. And guys, uh, this drug thing's huge. And if we don't get the mission of Jesus Christ out there, we're going to be paying for it later on. More incentive. But the servant's job is to fill the house. Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. And I'm going to close with this. A servant will be rejected. People will give us, you, the same lame excuses that they gave the servant in the Bible. I have property to care for. 
I just got a new car possession and I can't be there. I, I, I'm too popular. I can't go to that church. I've got to, to stay over here. We're going to get all the excuses that they've got. We're going to be rejected. Uh, the Lord began to show me through the word just right here in this passage how that, that three ways people rejected salvation. But you see it all through the Bible, people rejecting salvation. But, but what about rejecting healing? You know, in John 9, 9, when they see this guy that was healed and, and everybody knew that he was healed, but others said, I'm not sure it's the guy, but it looks like him. In other words, even on healing in the Bible, there would be moves of God and people would be healed, but there would still be people that would reject the healing. People would be saved in the Bible, but there's still people that rejected the power of God. And then what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Here we got the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 4, and all this move of God's going on, but there were still people that rejected the power of God and said, oh, they're just drunk on wine. New wine's what it says. Oh, but they're just drunk. So we see all through the word that where these powerful moves of God were, were healings and, and salvations and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there was always people that rejected it. Do you guys realize that they literally would follow Paul around? People, uh, Paul had a posse that followed him around to kill, steal, and destroy from him and do nothing but reject him and cause him problems. Did, did, nobody knows that, do they? You know, we don't realize that, that Satan doesn't like what we're doing and you're going to be rejected. It's not always going to be peaches and cream. It's not always going to be fun. But you're going to be like me when you get back from Albania and Liberia. You're going to say, praise God, I went. You know, it may be hard when you're ministering with the youth here, but at the end of the day, you're going to say, praise God. Kyla puts you on the spot, Giselle, what do I always say after I get done driving the bus at the, the Carthage? Another day at the farm. It's a hard day. It was a rough day, but we got her done. Praise God. It's another day at the farm. Yeah, it's a grind someday. It's a grind, but praise God. What about you farmers? You're fighting your corn crop right now. Some of you don't even know if it's going to come up. It, it may, but in the end, you're going to say, man, I'm proud I'm a farmer. I hear it all the time. I see the videos on Facebook. Man, I'm proud I'm a farmer. Well, why do we think that we're not going to have any rejection or any bad times as a believer? But when we stay in there with Christ, at the end of the day, we're going to say, man, I'm glad I'm a believer. Man, I'm glad I gave up Freeman Hospital to serve the Lord. Man, I'm glad that I, I didn't marry that woman that I thought I was supposed to marry and I met Karen. Man, I, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, at the end of the day. So if the praise team would come forward. I hope this word encourages you because so many times I think you think I'm browbeating you, but, but I want to get a hold of this. God's got so much for the believer. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I'm not talking about just the wedding banquet. I'm not talking about the great home that's prepared for us in heaven. I'm talking about now. 
When you're up there in Albania and I'm preaching to, in a church, the third time somebody's even preached in the church, the mountains had not had a, a Christian service in a hundred years. And I found out this year that 30 people years and years ago were taken up to the highest point in Albania and were massacred and murdered and martyred for believing in Christ. And I'm in there and have the, the opportunity to preach to, to standing room only people and I get done with the word, and I'm thinking, Lord, I hope you're here. And I said, does anybody want Jesus in English? And before it's even interpreted, a girl jumps out of her seat and, and doing this. And I got caught up in her, and I'm watching her to look back and see over half of the church, 60% of the church went up for Christ. 60%. Yes, we give the Lord praise. God has empowered us. He has has put it in us. And when we give in to being servants and slaves, it's going to change our life. In closing, we started this passage by saying, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed there means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and to be envied. And this may be hard for you guys to comprehend, but think on it. In the beginning, at the very first, Christ said, Blessed is everyone who, who, who receives me. Do you guys realize the people that gave excuses was what the word blessed means? And I, I can't say this the way I want to say it today, but, but they gave up Christ for property, possessions, and popularity. Blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and envied. The things that they were looking for in the world, Christ would bless them with if they followed him. Think about that. All these rabbits we chase, all these things we chase, in serving God, it's all fulfilled. I'll never forget when I quit Freeman, and you've heard this before, but... My boss literally thought I was crazy. He said, man, look what you're giving up. In the world's eye, he literally thought I was crazy. And he told me, he said, you take, he wanted me to give him six months notice. I gave him three months notice because he thought it would change my mind. And he kept hammering me, man, I'm showing you the world. Man, I'm giving you the world. You're not going to get the world at church. When I came back from Liberia or Albania this year, I was writing every place I'd been. That job doesn't compare to what Christ has done for me here. I've seen the world. God has blessed me, and I'm proud to be a servant of God. I'm proud to be a believer. You are up there. Good. Jim made a comment to me, and Jim, if I take this out of context, make sure and correct me. But he said to me when I got back that Oakton knows the word, and we teach the word well. But he thinks where we go wrong, and he thinks the Lord's sharing this with him, is that we don't live the word out by faith. In other words, we're seeing some good things in God. 
but if we would slip, step out in what I'm preaching, he wasn't talking about, he didn't know I was going to preach, but, but when we step out into what I'm talking about and really stand in faith of what God wants to do for us, we're going to see these great things, great moves of God, great things of God. And so I close out today. Are we making God decisions or selfish decisions in our life? Are we chasing property, possessions, and popularity? Are we focused on our rights instead of God's word? Do we have a heart of a servant? And that's the altar call today is that we would have a heart of the servant. Meaning if you're not saved today, you need to choose Jesus. But maybe you're making up excuses. Maybe we need to repent because we're focused on our rights too much instead of what God's called us to do. But it's time to lay our life down and love less everything but God. Love God above all things and seek him above all things. And as the praise team sings this song, you know, I know we're running late today, but I wanted to get this in. If you want to come and pray, you can. <clears throat> but guys, we need to be really thinking that I'm moving forward into the things of God, and, and I want you all to run with me because no eye has seen or heard what God wants to do for this body and for you. And so we need to lay our lives down and become slaves and servants to him. And, and I ask that you would make that call 100% today or reaffirm that call upon your life. With every head bowed and eye closed, how many would do that today? Lord, I'm glad I'm saved today. And Father, I do die to self. And I do lay my life down and I, I'm a servant and slave for you. Your word is highest priority. Above all things, you are God in my life. And Father, I'm not even looking around because it's between you and them. But Father, you see the hearts of your servants today. And Father, I ask that you move upon them and minister into their need. And Father, minister into their need in Jesus' name.